0: The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com. So how are you feeling as you face the new year? Some of you, you're like, hey, it's a fresh start. I'm excited, let's go. Um, How many of you have seen dark clouds on the horizon? you're like, I don't know about this next year. I don't know, I don't know what's coming. Um, and New Year's a funny, it's a funny thing for us. I, I, I guess it's all, all over the world, but especially Americans, we feel like it's a fresh, there's an end, a chapter is ended and there's a fresh start and so we, we look at the last year, maybe we're thankful, maybe we're like glad that one's over. Um, we look at the next one, we, we make resolutions, some of us keep a couple of those. Um, But either way, whatever comes, I always find myself thinking that at the beginning of the year, um, I need courage, courage to face what's coming. There are gonna be some tough things this year. Some of them we can expect, we can see them, we can guess what they are. Others take us completely by surprise. Either way, we'll need courage. We'll need courage to make it. This is what the dictionary says about courage. I'm in love with the idea of courage, I wish I had more. Courage is the ability to do something that frightens one. So, written in the definition of courage is, this is going to be tough, right? You don't need courage, as the old saying goes, to go to sushi for lunch. (laughs) You know, you don't don't need courage to go see Star Wars. You you don't need to do things that are easy. You need courage for things that are difficult. It's the ability to do something that frightens you. It's the strength in the face of pain or grief. (laughs) That's something, In the face of pain or grief, strength. Dictionary also says courage is what makes someone capable of facing extreme danger and difficulty without retreating. It implies not only bravery, but a dauntless spirit, and a dauntless spirit, uh, but the ability to endure in times of adversity. Wow. How many of you need more courage? You want some courage? Me too. And uh, I really think that that's the major theme of what our book is about, 2 Corinthians. We're calling our series that we're starting today, Of Good Courage. And as we'll see, we'll go through more of the context later, other sermons, but we'll see that 2 Corinthians reads more like an autobiography than any other book, so Paul really shares more of himself, his personal life. And we'll see over and over again how he's writing out of his own suffering and adversity, so first of all, he has massive pressure just from his job description. Apostle. Uh, that's a tough one. But not only that, there's a crisis in this church that he's had to deal with. There's crisis in other churches. There's false teachers teaching harmful things to the churches. There's people slandering him, slandering his character. Not only that in this letter, we get to hear of physical sufferings, um, sufferings from persecution he's endured lashings, being stoned and left for dead, shipwrecked, floating in the ocean for two days, suffering most of us can't imagine. And yet somehow, as he's riding out of this affliction, he finds courage to keep going, courage to face it, and he wants to share it with God's people. He wants to share it with us. So that's what I'm hoping for. I hope you'll look for this with me, pray for it with me, that we could find God's courage so today, sermon number one and from this book is finding God's courage from comfort in affliction. Courage from comfort in affliction. So in this passage today, Paul is going to give us an astounding idea. You've heard it before, but when you think about what it means, it really is kind of shocking. Paul is going to say that Christians um, should praise God in the midst of affliction. What's Affliction. Good or bad, easy or hard? Affliction, it's hard. And what should you do in the midst of affliction? Praise God. Praise God. Praise is a a, a joyful celebration, right, of God's goodness. So in the midst of affliction, you should praise him. And why, Paul? Two reasons. Number one, God comforts you in affliction. And secondly, he uses that comfort that he gives you so that you can comfort others in their affliction. So praise God, right, that's what he's saying. In the middle of affliction, right in the the face of it, praise him, because he comforts you, and because he's gonna enable you to comfort others in their affliction. That's the idea, did you get it? Now let's be honest, how many of you, when you're in the midst of your affliction, somebody says praise God, you feel like that's like drinking sand? Praise God? right? I'm in the midst of affliction. This is tough. Praise God. Here's some sand, you know. That sounds bitter. Why? Well, when you're in the midst of affliction, what are the thoughts that are going through your mind and your heart? Things like, is God really good to me? Is he really close to me? Does he really love me? Haven't I met? Maybe I've messed, there's condemnation sometimes in affliction. Maybe I've messed this up so much and that's why this is going so bad. God's not even very happy with me right now. Maybe you're angry with God in the midst of affliction, right? So for honest, for honest, sometimes the very last thing we want to do in the midst of affliction is praise God. And Paul's like, praise God. And you're like, it's amazing, isn't it, how something that's supposed to be an experience can turn into some ugly law. Some ugly law that we think, I don't even know how to do this. I don't want to do this. To make it worse, it can seem especially bitter that we're told that we suffer so that we can comfort others. I know most of you are probably incredibly loving people and you're like, I'll do anything to comfort somebody else. But maybe there's a few of you who might say, it's not worth it. My affliction so that I could comfort others, it's not worth it. So I don't know, I think as we come to this passage, if we're gonna be honest, we kind of come like, our hearts are a little skeptical at first. This is too much, praise God in the midst of affliction. Here's the problem, if we're feeling like that, like this is drinking a cup of sand, to praise God in the midst of affliction, like, uh, like it just feels bitter to know God's comfort so that we can comfort others, that approach to this passage is kind of like dissecting a frog. Did you ever have to do that in high school? When you you dissect a frog, you do learn something about its parts, but you also kill the frog. (laughs) He's not jumping anymore. There's no life to him. And like a dissected frog, this passage is dead unless we're talking about the real experience of comfort the real experience of comfort to where there's an ease to your feeling of distress, you actually have some peace and strength that you know, it's real, it's, it's an experience, it's courage that you can feel right there. You have to, you have to taste it. Um, in this passage, if the comfort is real, real then the praise will be real. And the sharing of that comfort with others will be real. It won't be a law like, praise God, it'll be an experience, God I praise you. So here's the point, if you're thinking and feeling, man I can't praise God in this suffering, or it's not worth it to to suffer to comfort others, you probably haven't known God's comfort yet. If If it tastes bitter to praise God in affliction, you haven't tasted his comfort yet. And so I think that the real important part of this passage, pastorally, from my heart, for your part, for your heart, is, how do we actually know that comfort? How does it go from words to courage, to strength? Because if we could taste it, that'll build up that sharing. That'll build up that praise. So here's what I'm going to do today. Let's uh, let's chase down his comfort, okay? Let's have that attitude. Let's seek it out. I want this, God. I wanna know it. We're gonna look at four parts. The scope of the comfort, who it's for and when. We're gonna look at the source of the comfort. Where does the comfort come from? We're gonna look at the crisis of comfort. I think that's the most important part. There's a wrestling that has to happen that's in this passage that walks you through the door of tasting that comfort. And then the fourth one will be sharing the comfort. So scope of the comfort, source of the comfort, crisis of comfort, sharing the comfort. Let's look at the scope first. Uh, hope you follow along with me in the Bible, 964 in the chair Bibles. I wanna bring out a couple of words in verse four. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse three, the Father of mercies, God of all comfort, verse four, who comforts us in what? You see it? some of our affliction. How much? All, all All of our affliction. All of our affliction. Same idea in the rest of the verse. So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. He didn't just say comfort those who have had exact afflictions as you have. Because honestly, none of us have. In a way. All our afflictions are unique, unique to who we who we are and our experiences and our time. No, so we can comfort those who are in any affliction with the same comfort. God comforts us in all of our affliction so that we can comfort those who are in any affliction. So think about the implications of this. You know, you look at you look at suffering, and just just in this room, um some of us are suffering in ways the rest of us can't comprehend. Some of, us are, some of us are just, we're off the charts on, on how bad this is. So, some of the others of us are not nearly suffering like that, okay? So you could think, hey, this is for people who are really suffering, not me. But wait, don't you have something? Don't you have something you're anxious about, something you're worried about? Is God's comfort for the people suffering a lot? Yes. Is God's comfort for those who, right now anyway, your sufferings aren't quite as great as other people's? Yes. Could could your suffering ever be too great for God to comfort you? No. Could it ever be too small for God to be like, eh, I don't care about that? No, any and all. So the beauty of this is that God's comfort is for you right now. And, And even just in... The ups and downs of life, right? If you've lived for that long, you know some parts of life kind of go easier. There are there other seasons of life that are harder. God's comfort is there for all of it, for all of it. And not only that, we're, we're told that if we've ever known God's comfort, we can somehow share that with one another, even if our sufferings aren't, identi- aren't identical. I'll never know what it's like to endure some of your sufferings. Or at least I hope so. <laughs> I might. But in a way, just the uniqueness of who we are and how we live, like you don't, you don't know mine quite either. And the beauty is we don't, we don't have to. Because it's, the, it's not the exact affliction that we share in. It's the exact comfort. God's comforting us. And this is amazing. Think of all, what would it mean for a church to get better at this, sharing this comfort? Think of all the loneliness we have in our afflictions, all the, all the money we spend and outlets we go to to try to heal ourselves, and there might be a resource, maybe, that we haven't quite tapped into here. Deep comfort from God. Well, that's the scope, it's for right now, it's for you, it's for us, if you're a Christian, this is a promise for you, anytime, place, God's comfort in us and through us, it's an amazing thing. What about the source, what about the source? I'll tell you this as we dive in here. It's the character of our self-giving God. That's the source. Look at verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then what does Paul call him? The Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. The apostle here is directing our eyes to the character of God. Is that a need for you? Do you need to see the character of God again? It's a a constant need, I think. It's natural for a sinful human heart to have a very skeptical, suspicious view of God. I mean, that's the original lie, right? God's not good. That's what the snake said in the garden. God's holding out on you. You can't trust him. He's not a generous father. He's not kind. He's not lavish. You, a skeptical view, you can't trust him. And, and, and what thoughts come into our hearts and our head in affliction? Those very thoughts. So we have to remember the character of God. Jesus has shown us the heart of the father. And there's that first word, blessed be the God and what? Father, Do you know you get to call God if you've trusted Christ? Let's practice Lord's Prayer. Our our Father, our Father. Human fathers don't always teach us what we're supposed to feel in this word, but you're supposed to remember here that God is generous, that he's loving, that he's relational, that he's providing, that he's trustworthy, that his heart towards you is soft, He's a father, not only that, he's a father of mercies. This word has in it deep compassion. This is what he's like, he feels compassion for you in your circumstance, your situation, and he cares. and He's there to help. Not only that, he's the God of all comfort. This is who he is, what does God like to do? What is he good at? Comforting us. This is his heart towards us, to help us, to encourage us in any situation. This is what he's like. So, on this road here to seeking out God's comfort, we have to remember his character. Remember his character, his promises about who he is. And not only that, um, why is it that we can call him Father? There's one reason he's given us the Son. We're in Christ, he's given us the Son. We are in Christ. God is our Father through the Lord Jesus. He's a self-giving God. He's, he's offered his Son, right? And to whom has he offered his Son? You have to be rich, you have to be smart, you have to be good, you have to be religious, you have to be educated, you have to have a clean past, you have to have anything other than, Jesus, I need you. It's by grace, right? It's, he's offered him. To, you have him, a free gift to you. And in Christ we become God's children. Look at verse five. This is key to knowing comfort. Knowing that you're in Christ is key to knowing comfort. Look at verse five. For as we share abundantly in what? Christ's sufferings. So through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Two shares through Christ. You see that? There's, there's nothing in here. Good that we can have without Christ. And if we have Christ, we have everything in here that's good. The key is, do you have him as a person? It reminds us of just nuts and bolts of salvation. Think of some of the terms you would use to talk about your Christianity, if you're a Christian. How about forgiven? Are you forgiven? Yeah. How about uh, made right with God? Okay, adopted. Adopted. I think this happens sometimes in our minds and our hearts. Do you ever separate the blessings Jesus gives from his person? Maybe in your mind, your heart, your attitude. The blessings from his person. So is it possible to be forgiven without having Christ? No, it's it's his death for you that got you If you have Christ, you are forgiven. He is your forgiveness. What about being right with God? Can you be right with God without Christ? No, if you're right with God, it's because you actually have somebody else's righteousness, right? Through faith. So it's it's him that makes you right with God. It's him that earned your forgiveness. We need to see our salvation as having Jesus. In Christ through Christ. Sharing, God has given us his son. We have his son. Have you noticed that you read the New Testament? How many times are we told you're in Christ? In Christ, in Christ. That's actually the New Testament's word for being a Christian. It, it came later, we even used Christian. Really, it's better to say in Christ. You have Jesus, you're in Jesus. You have him as a person. And when you have him, guess what else you have? Verse five. His sufferings. And you have his comfort. Changes the whole expectation though, doesn't it? doesn't change the way you see suffering. If you have Christ, guess what else you're gonna share? His sufferings. So just on TV, you may have heard, if you have Christ, you'll never suffer again. Just go ahead and sink that ship, set it on fire, okay? If you have Christ, you'll actually, you, may, you will suffer, you may suffer more. We share in his sufferings. Let's think just for a second of what, it, what that does not mean and what it does mean. There's a way in which Christ suffered, you will never have to suffer. I should get it, can I get a big hearty amen? Yeah, okay, because he took your place, right? On the cross, he took God's wrath for you. He took condemnation for you. He said, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's a suffering you'll never have to have because Christ took it for you. Yes, there's a way in which you don't share his sufferings at all. That was for him and him alone, and he did it for you as a substitute. But there's another way that you actually share his sufferings I can think of a few, maybe you think of more. Didn't Jesus have to suffer through temptation? That is a suffering to fight the lies that come into your mind and into your heart about God and about how to live. He fought temptation. Didn't he have to fight controversy, people hating him all the time? That's a suffering. Um, He experienced poverty, he experienced betrayal. And didn't he also experience physical pain and death? We all get to share in those in one way or the other. But it's because we share in Christ. And if you share in Christ, yeah, you share his affliction, but you also share his what? His comfort. His comfort. So scope of the comfort is for you right now, no matter what the suffering is. source of the comfort, remember the character of God, the self-giving God, the merciful God, the God of all comfort who's given you his son. He has given you his son. There's nothing better that he could give you and you're in Christ. That's the source of comfort. Now, the crisis of comfort and I think this is how we tap into it. This is how we tap into the experience of comfort. Look what Paul shares with us in verses 8 to 11. We don't want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength, we despaired of life itself. Those are amazing words that come out of an apostle. We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength, have you, how many of you have ever heard the line, God will never give you more than you can handle? You ever heard that one? Let's nuke that one too. <laughs> Light it on fire, whatever, desecrate it. What did the apostle say? We were utterly burdened beyond our strength. Did God give Paul more than Paul could handle? Paul is telling you, God gave me way more than I could handle. Way more. And that phrase, and we despaired of life itself, we were so brought low that we almost just gave, we gave up. We had nothing left. It was empty. I hit rock bottom. And and who was in charge of that in Paul's mind? God was. Is God going to give you more than you can handle? Bet on it. Bet on it. Why? This was to make us rely, what's that next word? Not. Rely not. I just wanna, I wanna stop right there for a second. Cause right now we're talking about the crisis of comfort. There's a crisis I think we have to walk through before we can taste the comfort. And this is in any affliction, teeny, or massive, first of all, rely not. What's the word rely mean? Depend on it, or or to to deeply trust in, to to be persuaded to put your confidence in. I want you to think of it like the arms of your heart hugging something. I need this, I have this. I want It It could be something that you've always wanted that you've never gotten and, may, and you're bitter about it. It could be something that you're desperate that God just would never take away. Don't take this. It's what your heart relies on. You hold it. You say, if I have this, I'm okay. If I don't have this, I'm, it's over. This is most important. You need to help yourself by hurting yourself a little bit and ask yourself, what is that and what has it been? What is it? Health, maybe. Health. Hopes and dreams for a long life. Uh, Something with kids or family. Something about your kids, what they'll be like, or what you might have. You wanted it. You need it. You, You feel like you need it. You rely on it. Uh, a financial situation, what someone thinks of you. There's a million things. I don't know what it is. I have some too. There's a million of them. And the really hard part is they're all good most of the time. They're mostly good. They're good things that we rely on. I need this. I need this. We put our confidence in it. And Paul says the affliction was to make us rely, what's the next word, not. Rely not. So here's, here's affliction, right? I mean, just real clearly, it's God either not letting you have something you really want or taking away something you really want. Right? When Paul takes the whip on his back, what he wanted was a non-whipped back. Really badly, I want one of those too. I do not want to be whipped 39 times. But we, So we rely on health or on comfort. And what does God do in affliction with the arms of our hearts? He pries those fingers open. He rips those arms open, right? And it's painful. And he says something like, at least right now you cannot have this or right now I'm taking this away. Rely not. And what's, what's our first response when those arms get pried open? We freak out, we're angry, we're outraged, we're, we're afraid, we're panicking, we're deeply depressed, we're discouraged, it's that sense of lostness, confusion. Insec, you're, you're adrift, right? Because well, that word rely is pretty important. You have to rely on something. And when you're what you've been relying on has been exposed and taken away, because if you rely on anything in this world, guess what will happen to that at some point? It's dust. You can't hang on to it anymore. And so rely not, he pulls our arms off, and we're we're shaken. Or like Paul says, we're despairing of life itself. So some of you, you can think of that right now. A time in your life that happened to you, rely not. It threw you for a loop. I've got my own. Maybe it's happened to you right now. Rely not. Your arms are pulled open. We despaired of life itself to, te- to make us rely not. Paul says, rely not on ourselves. So here's the reliance trade. This is the crisis of comfort. It's a reliance trade. First of all, the affliction says, rely not and we have to drop or demote good things we were hanging on to. Rely not on ourselves or whatever that it was, but rely on what instead. Verse nine. This was to make us rely not on ourselves but on God Himself, who raises the dead. Rely on God. And I think the doorway to walk through into experiencing his comfort is when he's already pulled these off and you start to close in on just him. Just him. Just Jesus. To where your reliance got shifted. I don't rely on what I thought I deserved, what I was hoping I was gonna get, or this good thing that I've lost. It doesn't mean you don't mourn the loss of it, it doesn't mean it wasn't good. Doesn't mean you don't want it back, but it's not your reliance anymore. It's not everything anymore. Now everything is just the person of God. It's Jesus. I want to show you this from another picture. It's from Philippians 3. And in verse 15 of Philippians 3, Paul says, let those of us who are mature think this way. Okay, so what's it mean to be mature, grown up? To be, to be a, Christ, a mature Christian in Christ is you're more and more like Jesus, more like Jesus than you used to be and how you think, how you feel, how you live. You're growing up. And so Paul says, this way I'm gonna talk to you about how to think about something. This is what you should aim for. This is what it means to grow up as a Christian. It's for all, You don't have to wait till you're chronologically old, okay? If you're young, you can be spiritually mature right now and think this way. What does it mean, this one attitude of maturity? Look at Philippians 3, verse 8. Indeed, I what? Read those next few words with me. Count everything as loss. That's a reliance trade. This one, it doesn't seem to be affliction forcing it. It it seems to be this spiritual choice or commitment. I'm not gonna count all these things as ultimate anymore. And for Paul, it was His education, his religious upbringing, his career, his his ability to follow religious rules, all these things that would have built up into who he is, his identity. I count it all as loss. I'm letting it go. I don't rely on it anymore. Why? Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus I have a new passion now, a new ultimate. Yes, I prefer not to have my back ripped open. But my main thing is not a healthy back. My main thing is knowing Jesus. That's what I want. That's what I want. I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found, what are those next two words? In him. See, that's a closeness, a connection with a person. I want to know him. I want to be in him. Because he's better than anything else. Paul continues, verse 10, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may what? What? share his sufferings becoming like him in his death that by any means possible i may attain to the resurrection of the dead jesus is so so beautiful to paul so the person of jesus is so wonderful to paul that he can't rely, he's not going to rely on anything else anymore other than jesus and knowing jesus that's it that's what he wants the most do you see that and so he's gonna let go of other things. Again, it doesn't mean he now despises the fact that he's a Jew. He loves the fact that he's a Jew. He loves Jewish history. He, loves, he doesn't despise the fact that he's a scholarly Jew. He still loves his scholarliness, and he loves God's word. He, he doesn't despise those things, but he's not what, that's not what makes him who he is anymore, ultimately. He relies on one thing, Jesus and knowing Him, and I count the rest of it as loss. So, is God pushing you? Is He prying your fingers off a reliance? What is it? What is, What were you hoping for? You didn't get. What is He taking from you that you really wanted? The pain that comes from that thought. I've got it too. You hurt me, Jesus, when you didn't give me this. I'm not saying it didn't hurt. But he pulls the arms open so they'll close more firmly on what? On him. On him. To where you actually are ready to say, If I need to go through sufferings to know you better, let's go. If this is what you have for me to know you right now, I'll do it. Because the beauty is, that's where he wants to meet you in these passages, right? That's where he wants to meet us. In our suffering, he wants to meet us so that we can know him more relationally and lean on him more. And he can be there for us more. And we get closer and closer to who he is right there. And I think when those arms snack back, snap back on Jesus, that's where we feel his comfort. I'm no expert on this. I don't have an easy button for you if this is hard. It's a, it's a fight. But in my, I think this is true intellectually from God's word. I also think it's true in my experience when I demote other things as important but secondary, and I want Jesus the most, and I rely on him and who I am in him, that's when I feel comfort. That's when I feel his courage. And I want that for each one of, of us as well. You rely on him. And Jesus', Jesus words to us sometimes are the, the reason I'm hurting you, or a, a reason, I don't know everything about suffering, a reason I'm stinging you right now is so you'll let go maybe to some things you shouldn't have relied on, and you'll rely on me. That's what I want for you. I think that's what he's saying. And then you just, you can walk through something with the one who's so compassionate for you, the one who's so strong for you, the only one who can bring you the justice you need in the end, the only one that can heal you, the one who not only went through sufferings, but hey, he rose. And that's comfort. So the scope, scope of comfort, all Christians anywhere, all the time, for any reason, source, our God, the character of our Father who gives us his Son, the God of all comfort, the crisis, a reliance trade. I'm not gonna rely on these things anymore. I'm gonna rely... On Christ, and then that leads to the sharing, the beautiful sharing. Look we'll at verses five to six. Paul says, "We share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If it's a, if we're afflicted, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it's for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer." Amazing connection between Christ, his afflictions, his comforting, the apostle, his, uh, his afflictions and his comfort, and then the church, our afflictions and our comfort. It's just a flow from Christ right through and to us. But it just reminds us that we share. What do we share? Um, I'm in Christ, I believe, by grace through faith in Jesus and what he's done for me. God's my father, I'm adopted, okay? The only thing that got me there, it's not my good looks, as you all know, it's Jesus. Who are you? You're in Christ. If you've trusted him, you're in Christ. Just like me. We're in Christ. This room, we are in Christ. What do we share together? We share Christ We share him together, that's the sweetness of it. We know him together. Not only that, what else do we share? We share his sufferings, together. And so we walk through them, arm in arm. And that's how we comfort one another. We don't say, let's throw this one away. Hey, it's all gonna be okay. That's another one to set on fire. We got a couple things to set on fire this morning. Do you like it when everybody tells you that you're suffering? It's all going to be okay. And you're like, how do you know this? Why are you saying this to me? Why are you giving me these empty promises? It might not be okay. When we're comforting one another, step one, just be quiet and be there, right? I've learned that over the years. Be quiet and be there for a second. Step two, cry a little bit with them, okay? Step three, wait a while. At some point, though... When we comfort one another, what do we say? You're in Christ. Rely on Christ. Hang on to Christ. Don't make a secondary thing an ultimate thing. Don't rely on health. Don't rely on what you're gonna see or what you're gonna have. Want them, sure, pray for them, yeah. Pursue them, great, go for it. But don't rely on it. Rely on Christ. We have Christ We'll share the comfort. We'll also share the deliverance. Look at verses 10 to 11. Now, in this case, Paul in Asia, thought he was gonna die, thought it was all over. What happened? Verse 10. He delivered us from such a deadly peril. We're gonna see here that God always delivers, and there's two ways. Sometimes he delivers from. So he delivered Paul from that situation, right? I thought I was gonna die. I got saved. I'm still alive. Has God ever delivered you from something? You thought it was over. You thought it was the end, and it turned around. You made it. You survived. You lived. You're okay. He does that all the time. In this room, we've beaten all sorts of diseases and all sorts of, of afflictions, and God's kept us going. He delivers us from. But at least one time, he won't. It's called Death. You'll get sick and you won't recover. It won't get better. It'll be the end. And in that case, he'll still deliver. He'll deliver you through. He'll deliver you through. He'll keep your heart relying on him. And you'll walk through it. We read it this morning in prayer. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? You're with me. I'm in Christ. And then, as we share it, we praise. Look at verse 11. Paul said, You must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. This I think this is, this is fun. We start out with, hey, praise God in affliction, and our hearts are like, no. But maybe we find that we're in Christ, and that we have him, and we wanna rely on him, and we see what he's doing in our lives. We say, Jesus, I'm yours, whatever you want, help me, save me. And Paul says, hey, y'all, we're praying for me while I was nearly dying in Asia. And I made it, I got delivered. And what's everybody who's praying for Paul, what are we all saying after that? There's a uh, family, close to my family, um, and the dad and son went motorbiking this last week. And um, the son got lost, he's 12 years old. Couldn't find him from 3 p.m. in the afternoon. All night long couldn't find him. He's in the desert, alone, can't find him. And you know what the thoughts are racing through everybody's mind. I mean, I don't know him that well. I was, I had a hard time functioning, doing anything other than praying for him because it's just too close to home. I got a kid that age, I, I know them. It's just too much, so we're begging God, please have mercy on this kid. They find him the next morning at 7.30 a.m. And what does everybody do? Thank you, God. Praising God, he delivered us. Isn't this always going to be the way it is when we share Christ together? When we share Christ together, isn't it always going to be the way it is? God, save them from it. We pray, heal them. And we also pray, God, save them through it. Be their reliance. Trust, let them trust you. And then when we see it in one another, thank you, God. You're so good to us. You gave us Jesus. And all of a sudden, guess what we're doing? We're praising God in affliction. Because we felt his comfort. Because we've learned a little more to rely on Jesus. It's a lesson we're going to need a million times in our lives. Small, big. But God's comfort is available. And we find it when we have Christ as our reliance. And that will give us courage. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for giving us Christ, for calling us your children, for being our Father. And Lord, I pray for myself and for everyone in this room that when you give us affliction, when you pry open the arms of our hearts, you expose what we're relying on. Lord, that you be gentle, show us how to demote these good things that we've made into everything. Lord, and to surrender them to you, to give them to you, and Lord, help us then to close our arms on Jesus and to rely fully and completely on him, that our goal in any situation, ultimately, we would be to know you, to get closer to you. And Lord, as we, as we do that, as you teach us to do that, let us feel your comfort, your courage, even in these dark situations, uh, and let us do that together, trusting you will deliver. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. And we invite you to visit us Sunday mornings here at Fountain of Life Fellowship. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com.